gentlemen and otherwise, I would like to welcome you to How Not to Start a Damn Brewery, the podcast. I am your host, Kelly KFM Meyer, and I consider myself lucky that any of you are even here. In January 2020, I began writing a book outlining all the gory mistakes that I had made since my wife and I founded our brewery eight years earlier. The second edition of that book is at 57,000 words and available on Amazon, both in Kindle and paperback formats. Please check it out, pick it up, read it, and share it with a friend. The show is the same name as that book simply because my goal here is to help my guests to experience the same catharsis I did after laying my story out in public, and because I know that the lessons I wrote about were only the tip of an enormous iceberg. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, like, write a review, share with a friend. Trust me, it all really helps. In this podcast, I will interview people in and around the beer business to uncover the mistakes, the pitfalls, and the hardships that all of us poor souls in the brewing industry have had the misfortune to experience. My guests will autopsy dead and dying breweries, break down the science of brewing, and dissect the art of marketing. I'll talk to distributors, retailers, beer writers, even a fan or two. Hell, I'll shove a mic in front of anyone I think can make you better in your business. This is open and honest conversation packed with emotion and sincerity, and hopefully, a little bit of fucking vulgarity. I want to thank you for joining my guests and I on this journey, and I truly hope together that we are able to teach you and your loved ones how not to start a damn brewery. Today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm basically co-hosting a mashup of my podcast and the Hot Tub Beers podcast. Host Tim and Jake brought a pickup-mounted hot tub to my brewery parking lot and mic'd up. Yeah, no, there was a pickup with a, a hot tub in the back of it in the parking lot of my brewery. So what do I do? I threw on some Speedos, jumped in, kind of took a day off from my hosting duties. So we're joined by my old brewer Nathan at some point and some unsuspecting tourists that just wander around in downtown. And my wife even takes a break from him taking embarrassing pictures of me to jump in for a few minutes. No, not in the hot tub, in the conversation. So we get a chance to discuss some of my mistakes, taste some of my beer, and discuss their evolution from four years ago to now. Just kind of a fun experiment even for me to do. And the last segment is a sneak peek of their show, which I hung around and recorded for a few more hours after we got done with mine. So Hot Tub Beers isn't just a hangout and drink show, and it isn't just a shit and all the beers I hate show. Somehow it becomes something more, something different, and I hope you truly enjoy it. Stick around, have some fun. Um. Alright. We are recording. We're recording now? But I'm going to cut the beginning part out. Yeah. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. We're doing uh, three minute segments, right? Three minute segments. In and out. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. It's not very hot today. No, no the water is cold. Uh, but this is a special episode of Hot Tub Beers. This is not just Hot Tub Beers. This is uh, Hot Tub Beers and How Not to Start a Brewery podcast. A damn brewery. Oh, damn brewery. Excuse oh, don't me. Don't forget the damn. I forgot the profanity. I apologize, sir. Yeah, so here we are. It might be How Not to Record a Podcast uh, on the city street in the middle of everybody. I don't know. I'm not an expert on podcasts. I've done a few in my life. Uh-huh. This one's starting out to be by far the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers to that, sir. Yeah, I'll take you. Oh, out. my goodness. So, what are, you, what are you drinking over there to warm up on? I know we got Lone Star, the uh, National Beer of Texas. Did we do introductions already? I don't, I don't know that we have done introductions. Uh, wait, did we just fuck the whole format up? Oh, right? no. it's, it's over. <laughs> this is the it's best part. ruined. <laughs> so, we got Kelly at New Braunfels Brewing Company. This is your podcast, the How Not to Start a Damn Brewing Company. Correct. We are, we're technically today is my day off. We are sharing podcast today. So we are. You guys asked to record. I need an excuse to record, but I didn't want to record. And so uh-huh. you know what? 
let's drink beer. Ah. Also have tape rolling. Yes. Or, or digital whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Jake Thorne. I drink beer and talk about beer, and here we are. Yeah, and I'm still Tim. Still uh, Tim. Yeah, I haven't changed. I'm still drinking Lone Star. Uh, but we're here in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas today. Downtown New Braunfels. Uh, downtown New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, you know, Kelly's sporting a Speedo in the middle of downtown. How are you feeling right now, Kelly? Free. Uh, free and open. God bless you, sir. And, and it only helps that my wife is over to the side laughing the whole time. Because uh, if you can do anything, you should be able to make your wife laugh if you have most of your clothes on. Yes. Uh, that's what you want, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my wife often laughs when I have most of my clothes off. Uh, I don't take the rest of them off in front of her just on purpose to still uh, keep the lights off. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still embarrass her. Whatever gets the job done. Speaking of which, exactly. We should have Lindsay introduce herself as well. Oh, Lindsay, come on! You got microphones everywhere. Pick one. Just say hi. Hi. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah, I'm Lindsay, the wife. <laughs> and those of you who've read the book know that uh, she was there from the beginning. She got all those struggles and successes, but mostly failures in there as well. And if you read the second edition, you'll hear a little bit more about that. All right. So, but okay. So, Lindsay, we got you here. Now, give us the the highlight, the one moment that stands out. Over these years of developing New Braunfels Brewing Company, what's what's the big moment that you walk away from, the first story you want to tell when somebody asks you about it? Oh, good Lord. It's probably how we started. Okay. And he caught me in a very weak moment. <laughs> Intoxicated <laughs> as well. And that I wasn't... think he approached it like, hey, you want to start a brewery? It'd be kind of fun. All we have to do is like do like one batch a month, and then we can roll, <laughs> we can like literally put the keg in the back of the wagon. In my defense, I did do that a couple of times, but how did that work? I self-distributed the bar down the street and just rolled it over there. I uh, actually had a writer from the San Antonio newspaper, the Express News, that had like lived, he grew up, or she grew up on his street, kind of. He lived down the street from us, so he did a, like a quick blurb story in that paper about me walking beer to the bar. And then ever since then, it went all downhill. Yeah. So what was, what was the first beer that went out to the bar? Uh, so... If you know Blondine, mm-hmm. Blondine started life as a German Hefeweizen, and uh, it was that beer called Lufweiss. Okay. So, it's Blondine is essentially that same recipe, but with aged hops and mixed culture now. Okay. So, what was the original yeast? And I, I mainly bring this up for Tim, uh, the other Tim from St. Arnold that gets on to me about my, my talks about yeast often. Uh, uh, you do a lot of yeast talking? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, it's I haven't known you long, but it's been the first time it's come up. <laughs> Oh, you go back, go back and listen to Rika Heights. We we got a little deep at, uh, in the middle of that. Oh, one. we did, we did in, in no label too. Yeah, yeah. I think it was such an underrated part of the whole process, of which the majority of what you do is uh, comes from the base of yeast. You know what I mean? Like there's right. so much vibrant flavor, and nobody talks about that. So, what was the original yeast you were using for? Uh, you have to buy some for us, Blondine. So there's only a small backstory to that, but when I decided I was going to do a brewery. I was literally going to do either a brewery, a winery, or a distillery. And Texas wine in 2011 was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only really liked scotch whiskey and didn't want to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to move to California to make wine. I didn't want to move to scotch to make whiskey, so I opened a brewery. So the 85% kind of like regional like TTB law that to call it a California wine, 85% of the grapes have to come to California. I took that concept that wouldn't that be cool if you did that. So I decided early on what grew in Texas. Okay, wheat. So we got a shit ton of wheat. Let's do wheat beers. And I tasted a bunch, and I found out that I mostly didn't like Hefeweizens until I tried Beheshtapons. 
So the yeah. hedge, the hedge fund's Hefeweizen is fucking awesome. It's yeah. Great. And that's the is, basis for all of them. That was what inspired it. And so they all, they also bank that yeast. And they sell that yeast, at, buy yeast, uh, as 3068. So that is the yeast that I used for everything in the beginning. Nice. Nice. That's actually great because I, I think that's what no label's using now. Yeah. I think it's good. It, it balanced clove and banana. I personally don't love the spice of the clove um, in my beer. So yeah. I also don't love savory stuff, which is why I don't like garlic in my pickle beers. <laughs> so uh, same concept. I just I like kind of tropical, fun, um, light drinking beers. So that's why I like a pickle yeast and also kind of balance that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that ends the yeast segment for three more times. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully, like, I don't know anything about much other yeast other than that one because we used it and uh, our mixed culture. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond that, it's just such an interesting thing, especially when you talk about Celis who smuggled in their yeast and right. like how many ways it is to make your beer what it is, and it all starts with the bacteria that creates the alcohol, you know, and that's kind of a big deal. I actually had told more than one person, um, and the last one was uh, drawing a blank on his name. The guy, there's a couple that had a yeast lab here in the Bronco's. And they ended up moving to Colorado. And I told them, like, dude, you could literally open up the craft beer scene in Texas if you would just start doing yeast education seminars. Yeah. Because almost all of the bad beer I've had wasn't bad on, on brew day. It wasn't the hot side that was the problem. It was the seller that killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, in Texas being a young industry, that's a science-based part of it. It takes a little time, a little education to figure it out. And it's not near as much fun. So. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Daniel. Daniel was his name. Daniel. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Good guy. So as we're, as we're moving forward, you kind of brought this interesting idea that, that I'm kind of digging. It's going to be different than what we've done on the podcast before. So we've got two versions of Blondine that we're going to start with today, correct? Mm-hmm. So tell us about this very first one that we're going to taste, uh, the, the age of it, and, and why we're tasting this one first. Sure. So I'm actually going to incorporate a uh, buddy in on this one, but I'll tell you right from the beginning. This is Blondine from 2017. And so uh, back in 2017 was the time when we started transitioning away from pure culture beer. So uh, we used to use Weiss 3068 for basically everything. This was initially brewed as Lupus. What's in that bottle was a Hefeweizen. And what we would do on bottling day is literally fill up about an inch at the bottom of uh, finished sour beer. So it would have basically, we would have finished fill the bottom of the beer up with a little bit of blondine and then fill the rest of it up with uh, a, like a hepobison that still had residual sugar from the Saccharomyces, uh, which is an old kind of concept I didn't know then, which is beer de coupage. You see some other guys releasing that. That's basically the same concept of what we did, but I didn't know what it was called. I just did it because it worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was back then. And I'm going to bring Nathan over because he might be able to tell you a funny story about that. This is the right Nathan. one. Yes, that's the right one. So that's that's kind of a cool. So how long did bottling day take? If you're filling it like an inch, that's why we only did bombers. <laughs> so Nathan, we're opening up a 2017 bottle of Blondine, which reminded me. Nice. Nathan here is the. Uh, if you read the book, he's the brewer that saved our brewery. Uh, oh, you're the guy in the flesh, Nathan. This is Nathan. Nice to meet you, Nathan. I'm Tim. Hi, Tim. Are you wearing cargo shorts today, by the way? I, you know, I, there's never been a day where I haven't worn cargo shorts. I started in the winters in Wisconsin. And- God bless you, sir. <laughs> I mentioned that in the book, too, that he always has cargo shorts on. <laughs> but anyway, so Nathan was a brewer that oversaw this transition. So this is 2017 Blondine, which would have been the time frame where we were still filling it up with a little bit, about an inch of Blondine at the bottom and then topping it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Remember those stories? You like obviously this was my idea conceptually back then, and you have taken taken it and fixed it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I kind of came on board right during the transition into the whole like uh, wild fermented aspect of, of New Braunfels history, and uh, this was sort of the stepping stone into that. And this is when we're really starting to refine and get Blondine dialed in, just because it is the base for so many other of the awesome beers that come out of here. And right after we started doing this, we actually took a, one of the fermenters and started solaring in the solera method on the on the, the beer there, where we just always leave a little bit of blondine in the tank, fill it up after that. So not only was it you know a, an ongoing beer, but it was a continually evolving beer because the, the microbes and stuff in that tank were doing their thing. And I think it ended up being a super nice base, but this is kind of the origin of that whole aspect of New Braunfels Brewing history. We still have that tank on, by the way. So it's oh, a, do we? It's a thousand-gallon tank, and it has never been emptied since. So, so the same like a, a four-year wow. solaris? Yeah, something like that. Nice. Wow, that's kind of cool. So that's what, if you drink Blondine now, it essentially came out of that tank still. So there's some of this beer is still in that. You need to make the argument. Very yeah. little. But some of this beer is yeah. still in the beer today. Wow. That's kind of cool, man. Like, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's it's got its own history, its own DNA Coursing throughout all these say, bottles. Would you call this an actual living history? I, I think you would. Oh, yeah. I think that's fair to say. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today so on the living. podcast, Living History of Blondine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're starting with, with the birth. This is, okay, so I cheated a little bit. I, I drank a couple of Blondines before we got in the hot tub. Yeah, a couple? Yeah. So you got the new one. I got the new one. This is, it, it is it's much darker in color. Now, is that because... They, there's only a little bit of the sour culture and a lot of the, the old Hefeweizen that you used to do? Or is this just the aging process? Or what has changed the color? Well, we change, we taste the ones that are further back. Like we, I think Nathan and I both did a, a vertical with some, a group of our Sour Junkie Society people maybe two, three years ago now. And we got as far back as 2015. And you can taste oxidation. So there definitely could be a percentage of oxidation on it. Okay. The way we filled the bottles was very much by hand, not at all by machine. And so you would have some oxygen to pick up. But, it, I mean, it's definitely the the body's different than it is now, too. It's a little heavier. It is a little heavier. So I, I do have to mention, though, when you, when you brought up oxidation, uh, you know, oxidation is obviously very, uh, viewed as bad a lot of times. But I think there is more than an acceptable amount. I think there's an amount where it really kind of adds to the, the whole picture of the beer. And I feel like the amount of oxygenation left on this beer itself is very pleasant. It really plays into the grand scheme of all the flavors that go into it. Yeah, there's definitely not any vinegar or acetic acid, like negative side effects to it, but I don't know. Nathan, what do you think? Well, I think... Uh, probably, you probably brewed this, so technically you should talk about it. <laughs> especially in well-fermented beers, I think any kind of oxygen pickup you might get as the beer ages, as long as it doesn't evolve into acetic, yeah. like unpleasant flavors, actually uh, sort of helps promote the retanomyces into like further breaking down things. I mean, it's still working in there. This is still a living beer, even for as long as it's been in the bottle. So it's just continually evolving. And I think that, you know, you have a Russian Imperial Stout that's starting to oxidize. All of a sudden, you're getting cardboard and sherry and something that's maybe not tasting that great. Some wild fermented beers, you get vinegar, and that's its own thing. But this, I think, it's just really sort of picking up some, like, nice fruit notes. And I think if it's oxidized at all, it's, it's only been beneficial as far as that goes. Yeah. You know, yeah, I do think that's why this one's a little darker, but it's not reading as unpleasant at all. I get a lot of like big fruit and melon and all kinds of stuff off of it. 
Yeah, I do too. And, and, and I didn't mean that the darker color was pulling away from it. I just noticed that it was darker. It's you're right. There is a lot of uh, like depth to this one that the newer one. And and well, I won't talk too much about the newer one because I know we're going to have it next. But there is this seems a little bit more complex. There's a lot more depth to it. There's a lot more flavors that are popping through. And like you said, it is a heavier body. It is a heavier mouthfeel. But it doesn't it doesn't weigh you down. It's not a Russian period. It's still clean. It's still nice to drink uh, in a hot tub in the middle of uh, downtown New Braunfels. In July. In July. Hell well, yeah, dude. If you've ever been to Texas in July, you will not know the, the, the weight of that statement. This but is it, an unseasonably cool afternoon in, uh, July. in July in Texas. It Halfway is. through July, it is unseasonably cool. Yeah, we haven't hit the 90s yet, I don't think, today, which is unusual for what what time is it? It's 12? Is it that late already? Yeah, it's that late already. Yeah. yeah. It's 12, and, and we're not in the 90s yet. It's a good day in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. We'll take it for sure. Absolutely. So as the brewer, and we talked about this before, you are in, well, both of you now, that, that we've got both of you here. When you imagined this beer, when, when you first conceived it to where it is now, and you tasting it after having been in the bottle for years, is this what you imagined? How close to the mark is this for you? I think for me, it's the, I wouldn't have been able to predict that the mouthfeel had gotten heavier like that, uh-huh. um, but I liked what it did. It, it For me, it almost has more of a lemonade character with a little bit meatier on the tongue um, than it is lighter and more kind of forward delicate than it is today on the newer ones, but I think it's awesome. Um, and if you had asked me back then, I would have told you that we were bottling all of these very young. I mean, conceptually, what we were doing with them was bottling it young. So it had time in the cellar before it was going to evolve, and at the, with that my palate in 2017 and my limited experience, I had no fucking clue where it was going. But yeah. I knew it was going somewhere good. Or I hope yeah. it was. Yeah. No, I think I think it did go somewhere really good. I I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, to me, it feels maybe because it's older, right? But it's it's almost more sophisticated than than the fresher versions of Blondie. What do, What do you think? Well, I think one of the things you know, Kelly was really accommodating when I came in because like. I had some ideas of what we could do with the different beers and how we could sort of change them. And I didn't do anything major from a, a, a recipe redesign standpoint on too many beers, but uh, this one we actually pared it down a little bit from, from where it was just to make it a little more uh, indicative of the style we were trying to go for, especially as we started moving towards uh, wild fermented stuff. And so um, this one I think was still that core Lukefleisch recipe, which had a little bit more going on in it. And you know, they use fresh hops too, so it was a little different in that yeah, regard. Yeah, we use fresh hops, so it wasn't like massive recipe changes, but this is about as old school as it gets. Because this is when I was still brewing Kelly's original recipe before we tweaked it a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, this is all we think we should have gone back to that, just because it's got some nice depth, it's got a lot of character going in it. And that's the nice thing about these kinds of beers; you never know what's going to happen as they, you know, evolve in the bottle. But it was a real, you know cross your fingers and kiss the sky and hope that, it, hope that it works out kind of thing when we started. But. Well, and in, in, in the book, Kelly credits you as kind of helping save the brewery, right? Helping develop these beers and, and get them out and get them where they need to be. When, when you first signed on with them and y'all started working together, was Sours your thing? Is that where you wanted to go with it? Or did you take what you had and just kind of started building? Uh, so I, my first professional brewing gig was in uh, – place called Three Stars Brewing in Washington, D.C. Okay. And I actually started the sour program there. And oh, nice. As a home brewer, I had been brewing sour beers a lot. So I had, you know, not a huge depth of knowledge, but I at least knew my way around the block a little bit. And um, really, Kelly, again, was just like, 
we want to make changes. We want to make the best sour beer we can. So one of the first things I did was, I think Kelly told the story in the book too, is there's a beer we had called, what was the one you dumped barrels of? Black Fury. Black Fury. And he wanted me to like put together a blend of this Black Fury and almost every single uh, barrel was acetic. And so I was like, we got to dump these. We can't put these bottles out. That was kind of the, uh, the pivotal moment in our brewing relationship because if he had said no, we got to keep these, I would have been like, well, we're not ever going to make the best possible sours we can if we let all of this potentially negative character come in. Sometimes a little bit of acetic is a positive thing, but these were just straight up balsamic vinegar. They weren't fun. And that's what we try to do is make sort of like fun interesting beers to drink. And so from that kind of jumping off point, I knew that we were going to have like a good collaborative relationship. And everything we tried to do after that was just refining and cleaning up and making the best possible versions of the different beers we were making. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of go on that journey. That's kind of cool. And I'll say this as a consumer, it is, it is, we appreciate the integrity of the brewers that are like, all right, if this isn't good, we're going to dump it. We're not going to remarket it or rebrand it and put it out in the community for, for people to drink. Cause we, I know Jake and I both heard stories about people in the Houston areas because we went through the snowpocalypse down there. We're not, uh, we're, we're not, uh, used to snow that, that bad and breweries lost power. Some of them, you know, the beer messed up, they dumped it. Some of them, the beer messed up, they rebranded it and put it out anyway. And uh, we as consumers really do appreciate the integrity of, of guys like y'all. They're looking at it saying, all right, this isn't something we're going to put out to the consumer. Let's dump it, start over, and put out something great. So well, That's part of why in the book I talk about how important it is to have a guy like Nathan, especially for a guy like me, because I'm a sales guy. And so uh, we go through my mistakes over and over. But one of the mistakes specifically with that beer is this was during the time when I had already I sat down with every distributor and I said, okay, look, here's my output. Here's the volumes to expect. Here's the dates to expect it on and how much you want. And so I got commitments from my distributor. And you'll find out later that didn't work. But we were in the heart of that where when I sampled through these barrels and Numb Nuts over here is telling me we got to dump 80% of it out. And I'm like, <laughs> that distributor, he told me he's going to write me a check for four grand. Yeah. I literally go, I trust you. But I need to walk out of the building right now. And I left. I was like, I yeah. can't. I can't stand here. You just do it. I don't want to watch you do it. When I come back, let's have whatever we have, and we'll sell that. Yeah. Like, you didn't even watch your first dump. Oh, I couldn't. It was. It was painful. Yeah. <clears throat> of oh, course. Shit. I mean, that's that's what hardens you, though. Yeah. But that's cool. I, I think I had an episode when I had Ernesto Villarreal and Matthew Sistos in the hot tub, and we were talking about Ernesto's an accomplished chef. Uh, he's opening up a new place in Columbus, Texas. He used to be the head chef at uh, Thistle Drive Shop. And we talked about, you know, leadership and not having, you know, him and his relationship with Matthew. Matthew didn't always agree with him, and that was good. It made him better. I think that's fun to watch that. Like, you, you got to be, if you're going to do something like this, and it may be, you know, part of not starting a, you know, how to not start a brewery is you, you got to listen to other people, right, if you're in a leadership position. Because sometimes we're not always right, and it's good to have people to bounce ideas off of that aren't going to be yes men. Yeah, well, the argument is if you, if you can't do that with your brewer and you're the guy that hired him, you're the problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's it's not, it's not your brewer that's a problem. You hired the wrong guy. Well, man, I, you know what? I'm really glad, Nathan, that you're, you're here, that you're that you're able to share stories about this beer with us, man. Yeah, well, no, thanks thanks for letting me come on and, and kind of talk about it. It's kind of fun going down uh, down memory lane here. But, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I've started a new brewery up in Dripping Springs, Texas, and, and I got to give Kelly a bow of credit. Like, he literally wrote the book on how not to start a fucking brewery. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of, I mean... Personally, he had a lot of conversations with me about things we were running into. And, you know, anytime you get into a, a partnership with other people, it's almost like being in a marriage. And 
Carrie Kelly was a good uh, marriage counselor as far as some of that went too. <laughs> it's all working out, and, and uh, yeah, it's been a totally invaluable kind of uh, kind of working relationship and friendship too. So. Yeah, this is this won't be the first time that I think hot tub beers has kind of devolved into uh, relationship advice and things of that nature. <laughs> so yeah, I, I appreciate you. We're going to be the Steve Harveys of beer. Uh, it's, it's possible. There you go. Or we got to be Jerry Springer. We gotta, are we gonna Jerry Springer of beer. <laughs> <laughs> this hot tub is being flipped out of the back of your oh, yeah. the end of this. That might be the new tagline. Yeah. Wait for our studio shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you haven't noticed, we don't edit on this podcast. So like, if there if there is a brawl, it will be it will be recorded and preserved in all uh, all yeah. its beauty. I hope you're there the first brawl that ever happens. As you are. I really do. <laughs> I just feel like you'd be like one of the most enthusiastic spectators in the whole sport. Well, and I've been in this industry forever and I've never broken a bottle over someone's head. I feel like that that's a rite of passage. Yeah. If you're going to oh, be in a brawl, I've boy, seen your bottles, or... dude. Yeah. You're going to hurt somebody. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe my hand. <laughs> yeah, be sure, careful of those vibrations. I got to bounce out, but yeah. Well, before, oh, before you take off, oh, yeah. how do people find Fitzhugh? Oh, so, uh, yeah, uh, the new brewery that I'm at is called uh, Fitzhugh Brewing. It's up in uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, on Fitzhugh Road. We're just down the street from Jester King, so if you're already in town going to Jester, just a little bit farther down the road, you can find us. Big white building looks like a church, so. Hell yeah, we're going to steal your church. information from. Uh, yeah, the, the church of beer. So. <laughs> oh, nice. We need to steal your information from Kelly. We need to take a trip down there. We need to bring the hot tub. Please do. I'll, 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 I may not rock the Speedo, but I will get in the hot tub. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we did forget to mention I'm in a Speedo. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had to bear witness to the Speedo the entire time, which is a side of Kelly. I never so he brews in the Speedo? Uh, you know, I he's brewed really late at night. He used to work out a lot. I can't vouch for that, but it probably happened at some point. You heard it first here on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Kelly brews at his speedo. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. Cheers, Nathan. Nathan, thank you. Cheers, man. We're going to come back with the 2021 version of Blondie. Okay. Let's do it. So do you ride motorcycles? Because if you do, you want the sickest gear on the planet. And SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com is the site for you. Break free from the pack with your kick-ass style and design that is as subtle as a sucker punch. When you're out on the open road, don't let anyone confuse you with your grandpa. Project an attitude that's all your own. With their signature style and performance, Simpson sets the standard of looking cool while providing superior comfort and protection. Authenticity counts, and there are many helmet brands out there, but there is only one Simpson. You got a killer bike, don't you? Why sell for a boring helmet? Pick your poison at SimpsonMotorcyclehelmets.com. Badass riders don't settle for anything less. See for yourself on Instagram at Simpson underscore motorcycle underscore helmets. Thanks for riding with us. We'll see you out there. All right, welcome back. So we're still we're still here on uh, the the dual podcast, uh, dueling podcast today. The uh, How Not to Start a Damn Brewery podcast. On top of the Hot Tub Beers podcast. So in the first segment, we tried 2017 Blondie. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of describe what we were drinking there. It was your original Hefeweizen recipe with a little bit of sour beer in the bottom of the bottle. You filled the rest with your original Hefeweizen, and it was aged four years, correct? Correct. Did I get that? Okay, so now we're pouring 2021 Blondie. So kind of tell me a little bit about the evolution of this beer and why this one, just from a recipe or brewing standpoint, is going to be different from what we tasted Sure. in there that last segment. So I like to be long-winded, and I, for some reason, have this that works ridiculously sadistic need to always talk about shit I did wrong. 
or, or is that masochistic? That would be masochistic. Yeah. And so the Blondine originally was in 2015 for our anniversary party, which I don't like math. So you tell me what year that was. But we during that time, we had bottled a shitload of bombers of hep, our Luke White Sepavice, our Shiva's Tears Weizenbach, and our a couple of cases of bombers of our Air Device, um, which is a Dougal Weizen. It's during the time I started experimenting with sour beers as, as much as I was being sloppy with cleaning protocols. And so um, about two and a half weeks into the bottle, the week before the party, we were supposed to release all these beers and bombers. They, we opened one and they were all sour. And we are like, well, fuck. And I was like, oh, this is the end of the world. I'm screwed. Favorite Brands is already picking this shit up. My distributor in Houston at the time. Um, what are we going to do? And one of my employees, our employees, was Lindsay Hired in Price, uh, he literally said, well, yeah, but it tastes good. And that <laughs> was the epiphany. I went to the drawing board all weekend, made new labels for all three of these beers. We called them Blondine, Uber, and um, what was the air device one called? We don't make shorts. We don't make that one anymore. And uh, we ended up walking around the party, sampling with people. They loved it. And so in 2017, we were still doing it essentially that way. So that process was designed on how to recreate the accident. Now with this beer, we've worked it over where, again, we do the Solera. And so we're brewing into an old batch of beer constantly. Uh, allowing that to ferment takes usually four to four to five weeks, sometimes six, depending on the concept, and then uh, literally bottling that out. So the main difference is this never had pure culture yeast outside of what might still individually be living in this brewery. Okay. But that white yeast 3068 has not been brought in here from a laboratory in four years now. And there's 100% aged tops here. So I've got like 100 and something pounds of aged tops in my outside storage unit. It just sits there in the heat, gets hot and funky, goes in the cold. So these are very old hops. It uh, averages six to seven years. Do you want to describe uh, the importance of that? Yeah, well, so I learned uh, throughout the ages, kind of, or throughout the few years, like what we did with that. The concept is that when you age the hops, you don't get the aroma, you don't even really get the bitterness to an extent. It's knocked down, but you get all of the aseptic qualities. So in a mixed culture beer, it allows it to be bone dry, the fruitiness of the yeast to come through, but it keeps the acidity at bay. So bacteria doesn't like hops, but you can't put enough fresh hops in a beer to keep bacteria at bay without it tasting like shit, or like a IPA, which I think tastes like shit. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> so the idea is it keeps it less acidic without being bitter. Um, and so now. Yeah. Which the major guys are doing too, you know, Canteon, Dry mm-hmm. Fontaine, and everybody is like, that's that's a real old school technique that Kelly's dove into. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. So, main, main differences, right? Aged hops, and this is not a pure culture yeast at all. At all. This is a culture of yeast that grew, is indigenous to downtown New Braunfels. I completely caught it by just leaving work exposed to our air. And now it's it's evolved. This same beer used to take eight weeks to ferment. But as our mixed cultures got used to the pH, everything we're doing on the hot side, it's gotten a little bit more efficient and better at eating the sugars that are in that beer. So it tends to happen in four to five weeks now. So let me ask you this other question before we dive into Blondine or the 2021 and how it tastes. So you mentioned the beer Schwartz that you no longer continue brewing anymore, right? Correct. And so which kind of bleeds into your podcast about how not to start a damn brewery and you're interviewing breweries that did not make it that are canceled. So you got to cancel beer. So kind of tell us 
you know, why did you decide that that beer is no longer valuable on that market? Was it a mistake or was it a choice on your own? And tell us about your podcast about brewing or interviewing these these breweries that didn't make it. And what have you have you learned anything from them to to kind of build your own brewery? That was a massive question. Sorry, I apologize. It's like four tiers. And you started started from when you first started to how you are now and everything in between. What's your whole book about? Okay, so it it started (laughs) in the root when you mentioned your beer. (laughs) When you mentioned your beer, it started taking root, and then it started building in my head as I'm going. So I guess take take it as we're going. Let's start with Schwartz. Why did it get canceled? And then let's move on to breweries that have been canceled. Did it truly get canceled or just temporary? It didn't get canceled like in the uh, TikTok, Twitterverse version of like cancel culture. Okay. It's one of those lessons I think that every brewer has to learn is there are a few ways to, to build a brand. Almost all of them require sort of forcing it to the lips of the consumer. And at some point, if the consumer doesn't get it on their lips and then go to retail and buy it, all you're doing is continuing to invest in a dying brand. You can keep doing that. And brewers are doing it every day. You can go to a grocery store here in town and see. Uh, a myriad of brewers doing it right now, tasting people on beer that doesn't move. That's why they're there. Are you talking about St. Arnold Amber? I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> There's actually, we could sit here all afternoon and go through a list of them <laughs> that I'm talking about. So honestly, what ended up happening is I sell that beer to retail. Uh, we've got our hurdle rate on what sells, what doesn't. I know what my depletion rate is at my liquor stores. And it just was the dog in the portfolio. So the option was invest in someone to go sample this beer. Give it away on premise at bars and restaurants to you know, whatever we have to do to get people to taste it, or simply cut the motherfucker and move on to something that's my valuable time be better spent on. Yeah, it's like, the ROI, you like know? pickle fucker in this case. Yeah. You know, if I were to invest half as much effort in pickle fucker, it would return four times the investment. So why am I? Why would I even bother with this? Yeah, I still think it's a cool beer. There's still nothing else like it in the market. And then there may be a time when, like for the bottle club, we can release it again. I still have the recipe. We can have fun with it. But the reality is that the market isn't drinking a middle alcohol dark sour uh, right now. Do you have any, you know, chilling? I don't. Uh, currently. Oh. Podcast over, guys. Sorry. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you have his big brother, Uber, that's in there. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, nice. So okay. Uber was the 9% alcohol version of it. And that 9% alcohol at retail sells itself occasionally, at least 30% of the time. Consumer goes, what the fuck is this? Oh, 9%? I don't care. I'll try it. Yeah. Um, at least if I'm going to get a buzz, I'm in. Yeah. Right. Which is his biggest benefit because once you like a 9%, you can't have too many of them. So getting that initial, oh, it's 9%, I'm going to try that, that really kind of helps it move. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. The higher ABV you get, it's a little bit harder to actually sell. You know, and I can sell 15% stouts all day, but let's be real, we're only selling one or two at a time. Like, that's usually it. eight ounces of pork. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't crush 15% beers? I do. I actually, do. I actually have case stacks in my house of 15.5 up to about 21, 22. And I got case stacks in the house for it, which is obviously a, a super irresponsible, but I'm at home, so fuck y'all, I so guess. Yeah, <laughs> fuck us, too. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, fuck. We're not at Jake's house, so we can't crush 15% beers. What a bitch. <laughs> what a bitch. I've never even invited to Jake's house. I don't think I've Me invited either. anybody. I don't yeah. know. That's because of all the high alcohol uh, beers. Yeah, yeah. go. They'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I got two guest beds made up, one futon and a couch, so four of y'all can stay. <laughs> so Uber, your nine percent beer was Uber a thing when when uh, when you named it? Because if, uh, no. if you're going to drink a lot of it, you might need to Uber home. 2015 when we named it. Or nice. I named it. So yeah, yeah. It, 
it literally uh, the, those beers at the time I looked up what some of those things meant in German so those are German oh. versions of the word I wanted to use and Uber was just big motherfucker basically okay that's Uber with the umlaut right yeah so you you made the decision to cut Schwartz based off of you know it's it's not selling it's not moving off the shelf now some of these other breweries that you've talked to that you've interviewed that are no longer in production. Are, are you seeing that happen with them? They're like trying to push beer that's not selling? Or what is one of the biggest things that you've seen going on to them that was, you know, a detriment to their success? Yeah, well, so admittedly, I'm, I'm five interviews in, so I'm just starting the concept. But okay. um, as of right now, some of the guys I've interviewed and some of the guys that I've targeted that I know I want to interview, that's a lot of it. It's, it's, and, and some of that comes from the distributor. The distributor is not willing to support certain brands, and that's a big part of what people don't kind of realize, I think Noble Ray, the owner Chris and I talked about this, is that it doesn't matter how badass of beer you make, you tell your distributor on March 1st that it's available and he says, eh, my warehouse is kind of full, yeah, I don't yeah. want it, there's nothing you can do. And so even if he quote unquote committed to buying, or she, I'm not trying to be sexist, but if he or she had committed that's to buying That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe later. In fact, that's the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sexist racist episode coming up next. Go ahead. But so that's a problem. Um, then the other problem is, yes, yeah, so there's guys that they get tied to something that checks a box or they think tells the story of their brewery that, you know, we are a German brewery. So if we don't have a Hefeweizen in the stable, we ain't shit. So we got to have a Hef. And now the Hef doesn't move, right? So at some point, you're, you're tying your success or failure to something arbitrary. And I'm the first guy to say that you shouldn't make a, a double milkshake, snicker bar, uh, diabetes glass of fucking garbage. But oh, that's I'm my favorite type of beer. Yeah. Son of a bitch. As opposed garbage. to going out of business. I love lactose no. milkshakes, like diabetes? Snicker bars, you know. Huh? You like diabetes? I mean, at this point in my life, before I've contracted it, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not, not opposed. Not Yeah, yeah. Amen. Slightly before. Yeah. Not opposed. <laughs> Slightly before. We <laughs> are not far on my way, Kelly. <laughs> no. More on obvious lifestyle. If you're planning on drinking a shitload more, you're going to get it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So well, that's kind of cool. So you say the concept is very early. How has the process been? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been learning? Have you been meeting some cool people? I think it's uh, by far going to be one of my favorite careers. It's just, and it, and a big part of it is that when I and I mentioned this in the introduction of my book, but when I started reading brewery books, the how tos, the stories of you know the dogfish guy, the Lagunitas guy, the Brooklyn beer guy, these are all guys that have been very successful and have done a very good job of building a, a brand and clearly a legacy. These, these brands that last forever. There's nothing in there for me. There, yeah. Everything that I read did not prepare me for six months in when I was making shitty beer on a two-barrel system and I couldn't figure out how to make it good. What do I do? Well, there wasn't a book for that because I had already read all the fucking books and didn't help. And, and what's been cool is that the guys I've interviewed have all been on the same page that what we're trying to create content-wise and the lessons we're trying to teach don't exist, and they should. Yeah. Like, this is a book that if, you, if I had read it in 2011... I would never have convinced my poor wife to open a brewery. And if she had read it, she would never have allowed me to open a brewery. So, uh, and, and everyone well, kind thank of, God the beer wasn't, or the book wasn't written back then. Yeah, you can make that argument. Um, I think that there's, it's been a great run, and I'm very happy with what we've accomplished. There were a lot of very dark moments in the journey, right? Right. Well, I mean, hats off to you for persevering through the dark moments and coming up with something cool. You know, and I'll come back to Blondine. Like, this is the light at hey, the end of the tunnel. glass is almost empty, by the like, way. Like, glass is almost <laughs> oh, empty. Wait, wait, wait. I, I enjoy gotcha. this drink. Oh, nice. I got gotcha. you. You know, tasting this one and, and putting it up against the 2017 version, obviously, this is a lot more light. This is a lot more bright. 
than the 2017 version. Um, There's some yeast in that, but that's good. Yeah, it's it's it, it is definitely a little bit more crisp, but I don't know. It, this may be a cop out. The 2017 feels like the uh, the more mature, aged, wiser, older brother, and this is just the young brother coming out to uh, to have some fun. Blondine is this one is far more crushable than the 2017 version. But super light, super clean, super crisp. Great, bright flavors on this one. Yeah, but the acidity, I think, is a little more restrained. Okay. So it's there, and it's definitely got that kind of lemony tartness to it. But it with the addition of the aged hops, I'm still kind of dialing in where I want that acidity level to be. Because, you know, and, and back in the day, and, and actually, well, I guess you could say that. Now what you see is, quote-unquote, sour beer. is covered up with so much sugar, it's no longer sour. But when we kind of started... You mean doing, lactose? That's well, you know, oh, what? Yeah. you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I think we need to end this this parade of people calling stuff sours when they're not sour. Well, they're the just final smoothie. product's not, right? No. If you put a, a, like a slab of ribs on the smoker for 12 hours and then marinate it in chocolate overnight, that's dessert now. <laughs> no longer yeah. fucking ribs. Of course. It's fine. You can yeah. still eat it and no, no one should make fun of you. Yeah. But don't call it fucking ribs. It's now Agreed. dessert. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Like the uh, double strawberry smoothie... Sour. There's nothing sour about it. It's just a sugar bomb that that they threw extra sugar in on top of the sugar. Are we about Martinhouse? <laughs> that one's that was not nearly as bad as what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking the actual super thick, like grit your teeth, like sugary, quote unquote, sours. I agree. So, so that's the idea. I wanted this to be a little more restrained and balanced. There's a lot of things that we do with Blondine down the line, and I tell people when this is the soul of the brewery. So if you taste. 70% of the beers we make, they are derivative of this base flavor. So this, this beer's got to be on point. If it's not, my brewery's in trouble. Well, I mean, from the glass, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, your brewery's safe. Now I'm just one man. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's... One and a half. One and a half. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It was... It, that was is, about your weight. You, you that was up, about my you weight? You brought it up earlier. Oh, so, son it, of a bitch. I, I, I think I've had like a... I, I don't know. The, the pandemic, I, I got tired of exercising during the pandemic. I'm done. You know, I think I might ride my bike maybe 10, 15 miles a week, and that's about it. Yeah. And then the last time I went and rode, I stopped at a brewery halfway. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. I stopped off a of White Oak Bayou, went into New Magnolia, had a few beers, kept riding. That's great. If, if that's what exercise for me is in my 40s, I'm, I'm fucking fired up. That's balance right there. That is balance. So, so, uh, yeah. My wife told me it didn't count. I said, well, no, it, it does. It does, because I said it does. Well, I define me. And that def- depends on the argument. So it, she's saying it doesn't count because you did the exercise and then put your beer back in. Correct. But what she's forgetting to mention is that you would have had the beer anyways. Because you just would have had it at Good home. Good call. So the fact that you had to ride there to get the beer, now you've zeroed it out. You still rode home. That's a net positive. In my I did, yes. Mm. You're right here on the podcast. Sounded like Riding your bike to breweries is exercise. It right? is exercise. It is. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Compared to 2017... How's 21 sitting? I like the maturity on the 17th. I really did. It made it drier. Uh, that tiny bit of oxidation we were talking about. Uh, it's surprisingly crushable. And I hate using the word surprisingly. I really do. But it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, I could almost drink this at the same pace I would a Pilsner. Somebody that drinks a lot yeah. of freaking Pilsner. I, it's like, it's right up there. This one, um, how young it is in comparison. It's very good. It's very tart. It's it's very drinkable. I would love to see how this one, this version, takes on two or three years, you know, to kind of tone down the, the tartness on it, but still have that crushable effervescence that, like, 
excuse me, the real easy approach, you know? Yeah. So I like it. Well, that's why a year and a half ago, we, we sort of had to transition everything. Once we did pickle fucker and bombers, or I'm sorry, in small bottles, it was kind of over. We, we had to do it for everything. And so Blondine got reformatted to four packs. But we still release bombers here at the brewery for that exact reason. You can lay down a 12-ounce bottle, but no one does that. Yeah. Um, at some point, the bomber is something that you lay down in your cellar, pop it out in five to ten years, and see what it's doing. I think this beer's got a ton of like age on it, uh, or, or ready for a ton of age. So I'm really curious to see what it's going to be like in Hi guys. a decade. We're recording a podcast. You're going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Speaking, speaking of approachable, um, the... I don't know how often this happens in downtown New Braunfels, but there was a, a tattooed woman in a bikini just hanging out. Now she's sitting in the passenger seat of the Mustang across the street. Is this common? Oh. Do people just walk downtown in bikinis all the time? Why do you well, think I put my brewery here? Oh, son. <laughs> well, that, he's literally wearing a Speedo on the main street. I mean, that's kind of a given. That's just, that's uh, accepted down here. New Braunfels. Cheers to Cheers. That. Cheers to New Braunfels, everybody. Yeah. I'm supposed to go home tonight, but do I have to? I don't know. That's that's one of the things we've been debating. I imagine if we wanted to pull this thing up to two other breweries in town, they, I, I could get Keith to come out for sure. What other two breweries do you have? Guadalupe Brewing Company? You ever okay. had them? We were talking about that today. I haven't had them. Oh, there's one. There's, I brought one of their beers in the cooler. Guadalupe, Guadalupe Brewing Company. I'm, I am a little biased because I do like my city, but I'm also one of the harshest critics out there. Guadalupe Brewing Company is one of the best stout makers in the state, in my opinion, if you don't mind residual sugar. Yeah. They do have a little bit of sweetness to them. But a little bit, a, I'm good. A lot of bit. Uh, yeah, they're balanced, for sure. And then uh, Five Stones is also in the area. And I, I kind of liken Five Stones to the pure culture version of what we do. They approach fruited beers the same way that we do. It's going to be Seth and his two daughters cutting up all the fruit. Maybe the uh, husband, and maybe not the daughter, maybe the daughter will have the husband do it. It's a family affair. They cut up whole fruit. They'll, they even go so far as to grill the pineapple for the pineapple habanero or jalapeno beer they make. Oh, oh it's really? It's a humongous pain in the ass. And even Seth's like, dude, it's, it's almost not worth the effort, but that's the beer I want to make, so it's worth the effort. I was about to ask, do you know the actual benefits of grilling it? Because, I mean, if we talk about the base, the pineapple is already fermentable sugars. It's already ready to be fermented to a point. And to now caramelize and burn some of those sugars off, what are we getting from that? Are we getting the smoke from that? Are we getting uh, more citric acid with less sh- fermentable sugar? That might be a question to ask when we go over it later. But um, the, the short answer is I think there is some smoke and there is definitely caramelization to it. I think the base beer is fairly light so that a lot of the depth in the grilling of the pineapple. But that's been their – that was their flagship beer for the first few years. I'm going to have to try it. Nice. So we'll, we'll take a little bit of a break here, and then the last segment will be the hot tub beers. You're going to bring out – we got very seldom naughty. We have 2017 very seldom naughty, which is blend two. Oh, nice. I've now done nine. And so this will be right at the beginning. So we'll introduce that one, and we're going to actually rate a beer on this episode. We're nice. going to rate very seldom naughty on, on the podcast. But thanks for sharing that. That was a really nice twist to the podcast, sharing Blondine from 2017 uh, to its involvement to 2021. Um, very nice transition. I, I really, really did enjoy it. Like, uh, I'm going to say 2021 is, is the one you want to party with. 2017, you take home to mom. You know, that's that would be the <laughs> best way that i describe it. Yeah, so really, really enjoy it. Thanks, Charlie, for sharing. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get very seldom naughty. So, hey, where are you kids buying your grains? You know, back in the day, we only had two options, and each of them knew it. 
When there isn't any competition, things like customer service and aggressive pricing just don't make a bit of sense to the big guys' bottom lines. But Brewery Direct has given lots of fucks about their customers since the day they sold their first bag of grain back in 2016. They sourced grains for quality and grains for price. And as an extension of Johnson Brothers Bakery Supply, their access to unique ingredients and brewing adjuncts is simply unparalleled. And now, with warehouses from Washington to New Jersey, you've got no excuse for an overpriced or unimaginative grain bill. You can't make great beer from any old bullshit, and Brewery Direct knows that. They have great prices on great grains and offer great service to great breweries of all sizes. Oh, did I mention the free shipping? Check them out at BreweryDirect.com or just type BreweryDirect into all of those social medias you seem to like so damn much. Welcome back to the hot tub. Hey, <laughs> So, Jake, you were just saying what you don't want people to say to you at work. What was that? You don't want them to grab you by the dick at work? No, I don't care if they say that. I, I care if they do that. Oh, you care if they do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can what, say it all they want. They can yeah. say it all they want, but they cannot actually go through huh. the act. When somebody like says I'm gonna grab you by the dick, they're most likely not going to do it. That's just that's just facts. Okay, so when I was in junior high, there was these two girls, Penny and Sue. Okay, they were sisters. Penny, Sue, are you listening, sisters? They they might not be. They're in Huntsville somewhere. They're probably still there. They would grab me by the dick when I was walking down the halls. So were they like slightly like not impressed? They were like, wow, that's pretty small, but yeah. I gotta go back was, for seconds. Was it even a dick in middle school or was it more I, like a weenus? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, weenus. yeah. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, you'd have to ask, Let's ask them. Too. Yeah. I, I was, I was still like confused by it at that point. I was still getting to know him, you know, yeah. You know, spending some quality time together, Penny and Sue. Did you name him? Just wanted to know. Did not name him. Did you ever go through a point in which you named him? It's the general. He's in charge. The general. <laughs> the general. He's in charge. Wow. Nice little helmet on. Yeah. yeah exactly. Marching into battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You don't need to think for yourself. General does that. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> the general. So here we are. We're still we're in New Braunfels Brewing Company in New Braunfels, With Texas. With the sirens in the background. With the, the sirens in the background. On. This this place has been one of the most entertaining places to do a podcast. We've had uh, dirt bikes pull up, golf carts roll by, uh, women in bikinis uh, kind of just hanging out. Men, men in bikinis. Men, men in bikinis. Men in bikinis hanging out. So this is just, uh, you know, Alex, uh, Alex the bartender dropped, dropped trial for a picture. I had no idea that was coming. Oh, yeah. it was, it, yeah. Hey, A1 for effort, though, man. That's commitment. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he is he, well, he's going to his wife's birthday party now. So with the keg of Martin House fucker. Way the keg of Martin House fucker. Now this is the red Martin House fucker, correct? Correct. So okay, so we're gonna jump into a Houston brew. We're gonna jump with both feet. Yeah. And the general. Foot and a half. And the, general. <laughs> the general's been soaking. We so we're brining. Oh. <laughs> we're going Astro Brewing Company in uh, Houston, Texas. They're on North Shepherd. They're in the north side in the Heights in Houston. Which so, is a brewery I've never had. Okay, so Excited. they are. Uh, Hispanic owned. You got Jose is one of the owners. Other guy last name McDonald is one of the other. McDonald. McDonald is his last name. McDonald's I can't remember. McDonald. I remember the first name of one guy and the last name of the other. Um, <laughs> after my research, okay. But I know that Jose has a went to Arizona School of Law, so kind of knows. Uh, kind of a nerd, right? And then the other guy, McDonald. Has a PhD in something like biochemistry or something. Look how perfect that pour was on one try. Oh, Not bad. Son of a bitch. No, so like we, I do it for a living. Here's, the, here's it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey! <laughs> We're getting cheers as they drive by. So, this is the Texas Carbon Lager from Astro Brewing Company. Carbon? Car- Texas, Texas Carbon Lager. 
Lager. Lager. Texas Carbon Lager. Texas Texas Carbon Good night, ladies. We're official ambassadors for New Braunfels Brewing Company. It's basically legal. Basically legal? Essentially. Essentially. We're employees. I actually like to use the term it's locally legal. So you could, it wouldn't be legal anywhere, but here it is. Is it? As far as I'm aware. It's not illegal as, as far as we're concerned. Well, it's legal till they tell us it's not. Correct. So, unless you get caught. <sighs> Well, it's well, not cheating. Well, it's not like we're hiding. My wife says otherwise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd asked her earlier, she would have uh, completely disagreed with you. Well, thank goodness we waited until later today. So, okay, most of the stuff I see from Astro, and I know, Kelly, you're not you're not completely familiar with Astro, correct? I'm not remotely familiar with Astro. So, a lot of their stuff is super, super hazy, like, can't see light through it, right? Whether it's a IPA, a blonde, or a sour... This is super clear, super clean looking, super crisp. On the nose, not much nose. A little bit of hot flavor on the nose, but it's, it's right for a pilsner. It's kind of it is right for a pilsner. Absolutely, it's got that kind of biscuity bready thing on. Do you recognize those symbols? Is that the chemical layout for uh, DMT or LSD? If it was DMT, I would recognize it. <laughs> so I we're, would also we're... pass out for about four and a half seconds. So I, I, I guess <laughs> Mr. McDonald would have to tell us what those symbols are. Do you recognize any of them? I do the carbon, sulfur. I know. assume it has to do with beer of some sort. Yeah. I wonder why the carbon lager. I was not able to figure that out. Well, the short answer is I think there's two different kinds of brewers in the world. Okay. There are science brewers and art brewers. Okay. I am not a science brewer. Yeah. So not only That's do I not know, I don't that. fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good beer so far. I like it. It is kind of nice. I like the branding. Like, you got the, the Texas Carbon Lager, almost like a uh, element on the periodic table. Uh, nice, clean, crisp beer. So, uh, you said you like it, Kelly. Tell us your, your thoughts. What do you what do you like about it? Why is it good? So, for me, it has the aroma. When I when I drink a, and that's obviously a lager, not necessarily a pilsner, but when I drink a pilsner or a lager, I want that biscuity kind of uh, breadiness to come through. Uh-huh. For me... The aroma at least does that. It's not. It doesn't smell hoppy. It and I, and I love marble brewing, and I actually enjoy drinking their pilsner. The fact that they dry hop it with some tropical hop, I just like. What the fuck are you doing? I just want live oaks pills. Like that's for me when I reach for that. That's what I normally reach, reach for. So I love the aroma. Um, Flavor wise, it's restrained. It's not sweet in my palate. I love that about it. Simple finish. I just think it's a kind of beer that a lot of guys can't do. And really? so. In that regard, like it's just, it's clean. I don't gotta hide behind something. I'm not dry hopping, and I'm sure as fuck not putting lactose in it. And I don't need to add blueberries to it because it was good as it is. And if you don't appreciate it, maybe I'll make a hazy bullshit bar later. But this is not that. Is that the next step here? Is a lactose blueberry lager? I'm pretty sure it's not next at all. It's been done. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. I just had a East Brothers Bow Pills. I think this is better than that. I really do. This is, I like the dryness on this. I like yeah, how it's good. not sweet. This is a, it's a... It's a really nice offering from them. And, and I know we've talked about before about uh, craft brewing, small small batch brewing, people doing a, uh, a lager. The amount of time that it takes up, the, the that it, it costs more to produce because of spending time in your barrels. You mentioned this in your book as well. But... They, they've really done a good job with this. Now, to my knowledge, this is the only lager slash pills or whatever they're they're producing, but they've done a good job with it. And, and to the eye test, for those of them that are looking for, like, Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, to the eye test, that's there. That gets them in the door. It's going to be a little drier than they like. But it is going to be a little bit drier than they like, but you want that little bit of variance, right? You we want do. you want yeah. yeah, we do. But that gets them in the door as well. 
the new Braunfels Brooks are coming to visit us. In that. I'm pretty sure you brought that from Houston. No, 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 that was straight new Braunfels right there. But I don't so, think we have those in Houston. But so let me ask you the honest question. That okay. I think it's, it's got to be asked. In what way is this beer Latinx? Oh, good question. Okay. What be, okay, Latinx. I, I'm going to be honest. The I, terminology I can't, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. We, we get into that. I, I'm not a fan of the Latinx term, right? Because Latinx is like Latin but non-gender specific, right? Instead of saying oh. Latino or Latina, you're saying Latinx. So you're like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We get into a lot of debate about it. But how is this beer down a, with the brown? That's a, that's a good question. How <laughs> is this beer down with the brown? Because you have Jose who is one of the owners in the, and one of the brewers, right? So I introduced you to this article, and I read this article, and I've introduced Jake to this article about, was it Jim Benavides in uh, Austin? Yep. With Austin Craft Beer writes this article about uh, craft beer and how it has been taken over and made into a white business. Well, specifically a racist business, I thought, was the terminology. I didn't finish the article. It is, yeah, yeah. Was, I don't it, know if she said that there was particularly racism yeah. happening, but... More so, and after the facts, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she looked at it and saw that there was, there had to have been racism because there wasn't more diversity, which I don't necessarily. Well, that's it. Okay, this is so there had to be racism because there wasn't more diversity. But we're drinking a Hispanic beer now. If you tasted this beer, is the flavor profile make it more brown? Not for me. I mean, those of you not on the podcast, I'm brown. I don't know if that makes a difference. Ish, ish, brownish. Yeah, brownish. I'm the brown McGuire. So. I, I, you know, it, it brings up a good point. This is good beer is good beer. Yeah, bad beer is bad beer. Doesn't make a bit of difference who you. Doesn't make a bit of difference who you. Donald Trump makes a great beer. It's still a great beer. Correct. He's an asshole making a good beer. Absolutely beer. right. You know, and, and same thing goes for anybody that you put at. When I read that article, that was probably the first time that I thought about the race of the brewer that's brewing my beer. But I don't know that I should. Well, I think that's kind of part of it too, though. Is like. I definitely see the importance of highlighting people coming out and doing it on top, but not necessarily for other reasons. They're doing a badass job, and that's part of why we should highlight them. I don't think it should be a, a one-credential thing. I agree. I agree. To me, this beer is an amazing beer. It is It is a very good, very well-done beer for a style that is not easily well done. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but this style is going to show more flaws than any style they're going to be able to brew in a microbrewery, correct? This is down to correct. technique. I mean, that really, it's not a technique and cleanliness. And, you know, I think that's the sign of a good brewer. A lot of people say, if you don't make a good IPA, no, 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 you can still hide stuff in an IPA. When we talk a good, clean lager, there's nowhere to hide. Like, it is pure technique and skill. Yeah, so Tim, you could maybe speak to this more since you have to be the one brown guy in the hot tub. <laughs> but at what point in time would anyone ever say that uh, this beer tastes like a Mexican made it or doesn't, right? Like, there's no, there's no technique correct. or craft Correct. attention to detail that a Hispanic versus a white versus a black versus a Jewish person brings to the table, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's just good beer. I, absolutely. I think it is just good beer, and I don't think you can uh, you can't classify beer that way. shouldn't. You can. Obviously, you, you do. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah you're correct. Did, but, yeah. You, you shouldn't, but you can. You, I, I, don't, I don't think that that should ever come into play. If you produce good beer, no matter who you are, what you are, it's good beer. We support you. And we support Unless you. Unless you're absolutely. a fucking asshole. And obviously we don't support assholes. But that has nothing to do with, you know, what you go into it with. Well, but even then, if if you're going to blind taste test and the brewer is an asshole, you can't taste their asshole in the Oh, beer. agreed. 100%. You know, yeah. Unless they, like, you know, sat in the beer. You can't taste the it in I think you can in most brass. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> He's brash talking beer, to you, Brass beer has, uh, has an asshole flavor. 
which happens to be I love their beers. I, I, yes, I yeah. Oh, I, but yeah. Have you met Vince before? I haven't. Vince um, is one of the most phenomenal people you ever meet. The most humble, badass brewer you'll ever meet. I swear, this guy is like the tits. He's no longer with Brash. Oh, yeah, I was hurt. He's oh, no yeah, longer with Brash, yeah. but man, he is just the tits. I've actually uh, emailed back and forth, or uh, maybe Facebook messages back and forth with Ben. Yeah. Um, and he's less of a cool guy, I think, in my opinion, but different way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to burn any bridges, but that's the common consensus. <laughs> Black, brown, white, purple, blue, green polka dot. This is... This is a nice, well-done lager. Yeah. Well, and more to the point, so if you told me that a white guy made a better lager, it would mean nothing to me. Yeah. Right? This yeah. is a good beer. Absolutely. Oh, it's fun. just a good beer. Yeah, I don't, I don't care who it is, right? Um, and that's kind of the fun of this podcast as well. Like, nobody sees us. Yeah. Until we tell them what we are. You have this image until of me Until we get the head. camera. Yeah, until you get the camera. I can't tell you how many times I had my East Texas accent. The little short brown guy shows up in the uh, in the interview, and they're 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 looking for a you know somebody who looks completely different. He's someone it, that's like five nine, uh, six foot. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall, dark, and handsome. Well, I mean, I'm still <laughs> short, dark, and handsome is a thing, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I may have invented it here on the uh, on the podcast. On a scale of one to four, doors you don't have. That was Sorry, I didn't mean to No, 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 hey, you're fine. That was six is a Jeep, man. That, that, that thing will run forever. I tell you what, if you get a chance to drink beer <laughs> in the back of a truck in downtown New Braunfels, fucking take it. Take it. You won't be disappointed. No, 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 no. There has been no disappointment. In fact, it has far exceeded expectations. This is pretty cool. So, Kelly, you're the guest guy here. This beer, scale of one to four, sitting in the pool in the back of a, back of a pickup truck in downtown New Braunfels. On a July day, where does this rate for you? One to four. Four is, I need this every time I sit back here. One is, I'm not going to serve this in my, uh, serve it in your bar. I have a unique position that I happen to have some live old gold next to me with lager that I really enjoy. Uh huh. So, from a comparison perspective, I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping Nashville wins. <laughs> Obviously, different beers. I think gold is considered a pills. Yeah, it's a German style pilsner. And this is a lager. So the German Pilsner from Live Oak for me is a little softer, uh, maybe a little bit higher carbonated, but I really like the Astral beers. On a lager scale, for me, it's a tight range. I think I'm, for me, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be like 3.9 to 4, and then everything else is a 2 or less. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Like, okay. If you don't make a good lager, you shouldn't get the fuck out of bed. Like, I don't even want to have this conversation with Okay. But this is, uh, I'm going to say 3.9. Like, I really like it. Nice. I like the finish. I like the aroma. I can't. I can't point to anything I don't like about it. So at some point, if I didn't reach for it, I was reaching for something else with a different character that that moment I wanted. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. So here you go, Astral. If you're listening, uh, we got a different brewer from a different brewery just rated you at three nine, and you haven't agreed to have us in your parking lot yet. So I'm going to say that out loud. Um, and, and we're doing you a favor. So invite us <laughs> into your parking lot motherfuckers uh, i still love you but yeah i'm i'm gonna be right along with you kelly i'm gonna go i'm gonna let you prices write me i'm gonna go three eight nine um oh, man y'all make this hard i i really do like this beer i like the bready characteristics some brewers get lost in trying to recreate that michelob ultra or that bud light to make it palatable to the masses chuggable one. Yeah. absolutely chuggable crushable beer this this doesn't sacrifice flavor this is like it's it's a great lager, and if it, to me it's saying like either like me or fuck you, and and I like it. So three eight nine, I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna go three point nine one. Oh, <laughs> fuck oh. Both that's why. Cause fuck because oh. we're both pieces of shit. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. You don't rate 
great nearly as high as Oh, me. sorry. Sorry, Ash. No. Sorry we're not as great as Jake. So I, I, I do want to say it's it's perfectly clean. It's very well brewed. There's a lot. You can, you can taste the technique involved in this. Yes. The bitterness on the end is what really just sells it for me. So it's not an astringency. It's a true bitterness. It's just enough to dry you up a little bit, leave you wanting a lot of it. Oh, but it's and clearly Allie? a noble bitterness because it's not like astringent. It's just yeah, good. it's it beautiful. Good. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like after you know six to twelve of these, no judgment. Uh, I'll probably be right there with you. Yeah, I do think. That, yeah, I absolutely agree. This is this isn't something that you can have one off of. It's you you can sit there and you can drink a whole six pack of these, even if it's the tall boys, the the pints. Hey, it's it's a very nice, well balanced beer. And man, you know, hats off Astral for uh, for producing a lager, the uh, a beer that has lots of flaws that can be seen easily, and, and doing it well to where you have uh, Kelly the Pucker Gangster on your side, and obviously the carrying the weight of hot tub beers in the industry standard on your side. Yep. Um, so, for the man, record, the lowest rating came from the other Hispanic guys, so I don't know if that matters though. Which uh, which one is that? Carlos. Oh, me? Oh, you rated the Hispanic-owned brewery the lowest. Oh. oh. True. Okay, so True. am I subliminally harder on my own people? I'm not Mrs. Benavides. I don't have to answer. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, if somebody wanted to. Mrs. Benavides, if you happen to hear our podcast. Senora Benavides. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Senora Benavides. If you happen to hear our uh, podcast, please, please, please. Email us at hottubbeers at gmail.com, and and you are always welcome in the tub. We love to debate, and that's one of the things that I do like about this, right, is we've we've had differing viewpoints on this this podcast, uh, but that's been one of the fun things is, and and, and you mentioned this earlier, right, it's not the color of who we are, it's not what we look like, it's the content of the character, it's what you put in the glass, and we can by far all agree that, you know, we're, we're not supposed to have the same viewpoint. If we do, that this is going to be. This would be fucking boring if we all had the same viewpoint. So we need the different viewpoints. So thank you, Astral, for bringing us a great beer to the market for us to try and debate. We're going to come back in just a moment with your pure guava sour. Pure. Oh, pure. 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 Puro. Remember when the phone company used to print all the phone numbers on the internet and send it to your house in a book large enough to knock somebody out? Well, that's how I feel about fermenting beer in closed tanks without AccuBrew. The industry can be better by being digital. AccuBrew is simple to install, simple to use, and one of those how the hell did we ever get along without it products. For less than a case of beer, you get real-time fermentation feedback on your current gravity, temperature, and clarity. If anything is slowing down or just simply out of the range you set for your recipes, it'll alert you, your brewer, and whoever else gets paid to fix it. Making better beer in 2023 is not an option. Install AccuBrew as soon as you possibly can, check improving beer quality off your list, and get back to figuring out how to be profitable in this industry. Welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. <laughs> hot Mike Beers or Hot Tub Beers? Hot Tub Beers, Hot Mike Beers, whatever you like to call it. We're trying to catch uh, Jake at his best here. <laughs> so At his most honest. At his most honest. Um, I'll be honest, Jake is, Jake is very honest between sessions. So we are pouring up now. Between sessions. I feel like, I feel like I'm a little overly honest all the time. Actually, you know, let me get here. I feel like I'm overly honest all the time. I do like the color. The name of the beer is Pure Guava, correct? Uh, yes, Pure Guava. Pure guava, sour ale, pinker than all hell. With gua- it is, it is pink. Okay, uh, this, this can not, is this so. can is pink on the inside. Sixteen fluid ounces, five point six alcohol by volume. What color is guava? Like a yellow, I don't like know, orange. Pear. The pear color. Yeah. So would you compare this to a pear? A midsummer ice cream. Not compared to that. <laughs> it smells like guava. Though. I mean, it's definitely guava. It's only pink. 
it's more of a peach color. Let's be real. It's not. Yeah. It's not pink. It's it's more of a peach color. It's got that kind of like fuzzy navel look. Maybe it's like fuzzy navel orange. I have not had that. So if when it ripens, maybe it gets. Maybe so. I don't know. I'm I'm not completely familiar with guava aside from ones that having it in beer. Hair color. This one come out kind of peachish, pinkish. This is not like the Texas Carbon Lager at all. This is not see through. This is not clean. This is not super refined. This looks like hazy, unfiltered sour beer. On the yeah. nose, where you get guava, but not the uh, stinky shit guava. Okay. So what makes this one different? Are you sure though? Because this tastes like actual guava to me, or smells like actual guava to me, but not over the top. So it's like a maybe, a, maybe like it was skinned and juiced. Let me give you an example. So okay. One of the times that we did the South Rim Trail at uh, Big Bend, we had gone out there with another couple, and I had bought a variety of things, like snacks for the trail, snacks for after. And one of the things I bought was a like an actual, I guess they call it a clamshell guava. So it was like six guavas and some classic things that you crushed. And I was like, that's cool. It, was, it maybe was on sale, I don't remember. It was like fruit on the way, and I, it, it's tropical fruit. So I left it in the room, and in Big Bend they don't have air conditioners, so when it got up to this bay, got to whatever temp during the day, we came back in the room, smelled like someone had taken a shit, like, but like a weird shit. Like, <laughs> like not, a weird one, like unhealthy. Not like a sweaty, like pizza shit. Like, yeah. a, like a what the fuck is that shit? Uh-huh. Like too much fruit and a lot of ketchup. Right. You're like, what's going on? How did you say too much fruit and a lot of ketchup? Yeah, I did. You gotta get a little uh, funk in there. Maybe some Sorry. salt. Yeah, you gotta uh, get some funk. And so like, we kind of like walked around like, what is it? It turns out it's a fucking clamshell of guava. It smelled like human feces and it didn't make any sense so ever since then i've had a very weird relationship with guava for very obvious reasons i will, I will say this 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 doesn't come close to human feces for me it doesn't smell shitty but it's got that kind of rotting fruit smell it does in a okay good way, not a bad way there, good there you way. go good call that that's I, i'm glad like you said that fruit. i have people like y'all on the podcast you, you 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 put better words in my mouth than than i can come up with in my head but that rotting fruit smell in a good way you're you're yeah. correct like it's it smells like fruit that's ripening on the counter so what else right. do we put in your mouth? Balls. Oh, sweaty balls. Oh, you missed the no label. We had Ron's balls in our mouth. Ron's jambalaya fried balls. Oh, Ron's balls. I thought it was Earl. Oh, it's it was Earl. Earl. Sorry, Earl. I don't know yeah, where I, I got Ron's. I was wondering out. where you got Ron from. Earl's Earl's fried Earl's jambalaya balls. balls. Fuck good. Paired well with no label. Jeez, Louise, no label man. goes good with balls. Y'all gotta go check out Earl at No Label, man. That guy is just killing it. I'm and not his even... balls. And, and his, his balls. balls. And he has this uh, secret menu item that's a mac and cheese sandwich with a, a pork chop in it. Dude, that stuff was oh, so good. Oh, the pork chop is stuffed with jambalaya. Yeah, and then it's topped with mac and cheese inside of a sandwich. Jesus Christ. Dude, oh, it yeah. Was phenomenal. It was. It was good shit, dude. Huh. Damn it, Earl. Fucking Earl. So I have to say, with this beer, I thought I thought it was going to get a lot of sweetness or a lot of tartness. It's actually very dry and very balanced. It is very dry. Really it's it sour. It's really, I mean, maybe a little bit of citric acid from the fruit. Right? It doesn't. It okay, so you're the pucker gangster. This doesn't make me pucker. Yeah, but we've also been drinking sours all morning. I get the sour aspect. Is it truly sour? Not really, but I definitely get the sour aspect. You know, if you go into this dry as a non-beer drinker, that's sour. So the question would be, what's the ABV on it? 5.6. So at 5.6, you're probably picking up maybe 2% alcohol from the fruit. So there's not a ton of fruit in this. All the guava doesn't go very far. Maybe there's more than I think, but if you're doing like a pound per barrel, pound per gallon, I feel like... If the beer was sour, it would be more acidic. That's that's a little bit more scientific. Again, I'm an artistic brewer, so right. let's, just, let's take everything I just said and throw it out of the truck right now, on the ground, down that problems. And just say, <laughs> I, I actually like the beer. The only caveat I would say, if I was critiquing it in any way, is that it's a little bit watery on the back end. 
it almost has this uh, watery background where I would like a little. And that's where that one beer you guys had me try on the last show, you salt in it. Salt. Oh, we haven't released that episode yet. The, the salt actually would add character to it. So I think this was salt. Kick it up. What beer was that? Uh, Panther Island. There goes oh, my hero. There goes my hero. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't released that yet. Yeah, yeah. That I was don't know. Good it, well, it probably won't be released by the time we release this one. No. Who knows? No, no, no. no one knows. Yeah, no one knows. We're gonna go. Yeah, we're saving that for the vault. We need vault episodes. Yeah. I get what you're saying about how it kind of dies off at the end and doesn't leave this big lingering note, but I kind of enjoy that about it. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. All the flavor that lingers is all tart. Zero sweet. I kind of get that that mouth feel with the tartness. Love it. I think it's great. Well, and, and I do too. And I like the bring, fact that you bring up it, the fact that it's tart. You don't need to put lactose in a sour to make it sour good. No, no, no. I agree with you. But let's break down what lactose really is. It's it's a sweetener that's not as sweet as raw sugar, but it leaves you with a bigger mouth feel. Putting like putting way too much in it, so you're getting the sweet and the mouth feel. And I feel like they're more hiding behind it and giving you this. You know, quote unquote smoothie. This like they're trying to give you this big projection that's not really beer, and it's all covered up in this like super mouth coating sugar. This isn't this isn't a super light beer. No, is there lactose in this? There is no lactose. Hey, come have a beer. We got fans, by the way. We do have fans. I mean, this. I mean. You knew this was gonna happen. I would love to say they were my fans, but they're clearly not. They're y'all. They can't oh, they, even see me. Oh, they don't even know who the hell I am. I'm facing the opposite direction. You guys are on a billboard. Just just to be clear, they hung out the window and yelled, Giggum. The one thing we don't do here is Giggum. Why not? Hey guys, thanks for sticking around. I had a blast making that one, and I hope you had a fun listening to it. Uh, so go check those guys out. The, this was only the beginning of that episode and the remainder of it, along with a bunch of other entertaining content from them taking their hot tub all over the place and uh, even beginning with initially sitting in Tim's backyard in his hot tub, which I did bring my Speedo to there as well. All of those are available on their site, uh, which you can, of course, download from the place you're normally getting my podcast or any other even better podcast from. And you can also check out their site at anchor.fm forward slash hot Hey guys, I want to thank you for sticking around. I appreciate you spending time with my guest tonight today. A couple of housekeeping things. I want to remind you that my book is available on Amazon, both on Kindle and in the paperback. And you'll see probably about another month, there'll be an audio book. So if you don't like to read and for some reason you're burdened with loving to listen to my voice, you will get more of that um, in that audio book. But again, thanks for sticking around and I look forward to the next podcast. Uh, peace out. See you soon. Free play. Media. Media.